good morning. How's everyone doing on this Mother's Day? I want an answer. How's everybody doing? All right. It's a beautiful day to be together. Uh, good to see everyone on this special day. If you would get out your bulletins, we have lots of good announcements as we get started. Choir is probably making some things behind me. I gotta watch them. Um, so yeah, we uh, on the back of our bulletins are opportunities for the week. We'll go through those in just a second. There's a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, please fill out the blue side, put it in the offering plate as it goes by, and we'd love to follow up with you about how to become more involved at Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side is a place for prayer requests. Continue to submit those, put them in the offering plate as they go as it goes by as well, and we pray for you on Tuesdays in our staff time. Uh, in your bulletins is also a insert for our geraniums, so take mention of that for those who have uh, purchased those geraniums in memory of loved ones, and um, I guess they take them at the end of the service. Is that how it works, Tim? Yes, so remember your geraniums at the end of the service as well. All right, opportunities for the week. Uh, on the back, and if you have a pen, it might be a good, a good morning to take notes, what I learned from the first service. Um, today, uh, as Mother's Day, the only other evening activity we have is our encounter service here at 5 o'clock, so if you don't have Mother's Day plans at 5 o'clock, come on out, and uh, everything else, the RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, Youth, and choirs and all are canceled for this evening, so encounter service at 5. This week, we have volleyball on Thursdays, basketball on Mondays. Women on Missions do meet this Tuesday. I think they changed that. So if I'm announcing this every week, it is for real this Tuesday, 1030 John Bryant Room. And then uh, Wednesday night, we have chicken casserole for Wednesday night supper, Awanas, Connect Groups, Youth, Midweek Bible Study, Adult Choir. And then as we get towards next Sunday, our setup is 2 o'clock for our outdoor worship. Now, I'll explain that. I'm very excited about our service. Next Sunday, we're going to have a special outdoor worship in the pavilion, and it's just going to be one service. So 8, 30, 11 o'clock, people all gather in the pavilion, and we're going to have a, a corporate service for that day, followed by a potluck. So for the potluck, you need to bring just side dishes and brownies, but I'll talk about the brownies later. The meat and all is provided, but you need to bring side dishes and uh, make them delicious. That's my main thing. Uh, if you have, this is where you start taking, if you have one of those shade canopies, like they have when you go to soccer games or football games, where there's this little square type of thing where you have, if you could bring them Sunday morning so we can put some shade canopies over some of the picnic tables for people who uh, may be in the sun. So that would be wonderful. We had several in the early service who said they can bring some, but all of those are welcome to bring, and we can set them up uh, next Sunday morning. And then brownies. We're having a brownie bake-off, and we're raising money for our mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Here's how this works. Talked with Shelly this week. It's, a, it's apparently the way you've done it before. Everyone who breaks, bakes brownies, bring in your recipes, by the way, in case anybody has allergies. All the brownies will be lined up, and there'll be little jars in front of all the brownies. And then you get to, everyone who participates gets to taste all the brownies. And then you need to bring, write this down, money with you. You will put the money into the brownie that you like best. Whichever brownie collects the most money, that 
brownie creator wins our brownie award, and all the money will go towards the mission team. So it'll be a lot of fun. The more brownies we have, the more competition it'll be. And so vote with your money for our brownies next Sunday at our potluck. If you want to bring other desserts, that's fine. I just want to make sure we have plenty of brownies for our potluck and our brownie bake-off. Um, so canopies, money next Sunday, uh, and brownies, and potluck dishes. That's what we need to bring for next Sunday. I think it's going to be a special day. I'm already looking forward to what God's going to do. Um, and uh, it, I think it's wonderful. When I first came here, I was going on a little tangent, somebody came up to me like, we should do worship in our pavilion sometime, Dwight. And I was like, I love that idea. And so uh, a year and a half later, we're going to do that, and I pray God will do great things in that. A couple other things as we, as we uh, transition here. Um, Father's Day camping weekend is June 15 through 17. We have some space available. If you'd like to go, it's $25 for a person, $50 for a family. What better way to go camping? We're going to Holiday Lake, Holiday Lake, Holiday Lake State Park. There you go. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend, uh, Father's Day weekend. And then graduates, if you know of high school or college graduates, we need either sent in or emailed to the church. We need five pictures of your graduate from baby to now and then where they graduated from and what their future plans might be. So on June 10th, we're going to have a graduate recognition ceremony in this service, followed by taking the graduates to lunch that day. So June 10th is our graduate Sunday. If you have anybody who's graduated from high school or college, make sure to let us know so we can have all their information. Anything else, Tim? It's a lot, but uh, we got through it. All right, Linda, we're good. Well, good morning. morning. Okay, that's pretty good. One more time. Can you beat that go? Good morning. Good morning. Very good. I love our call to worship today. We are one in the bond of love. Doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, how rich, how poor. We are all in the bond of God's love. So we are going to do it just like we normally do. Tim's going to play. You're going to, I mean, Tim, excuse me. I was looking at Tim. Tim has a hidden talent. I'm just teasing. Dwight's going to play. You get up and meet and greet. This is the one different thing. When you hear me sing, don't go back to your seat. Grab a hand so that this church is truly united in the bond of love just for that brief moment. Okay, you got it? New directions. Everybody okay? All right, please stand. It's in your hymnal, 387. We're only doing the first verse, so if you don't need it, just put your hymnals down. Okay, meet and greet. Have fun. Make a lot of noise. Grab a hand. We are one in the one of love. Grab a hand. 
and you may be seated. It's Mother's Day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this special day uh, thankful to be a part of your family, thankful to be uh, a part of your kingdom and what you are doing in your people is special, and we thank you that we are allowed to honor you and serve you and worship you and to glorify your great name, Jesus. God, on this day, we also are thankful for our mothers, we're thankful for our families, and we thank you that uh, you've called us to imitate and reflect the love in which you've given us. We pray this service uh, honors you, we pray your Holy Spirit dwell and that you would be praised above all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we continue our worship service on this wonderful Sunday morning and we think about the impact of family on each of our lives, I invite you to take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 393, this wonderful praise chorus, The Family of God. We're going to sing it twice. Let's stand together, The Family of God, 393. have the pleasure this morning of dedicating one of our little ones to the Lord uh, in this service on Mother's Day, Lawson Knox Holmes, who's five months old today. So we wish him a happy five-month birthday today. And so uh, if you will see in the bulletin, you have a litany for child dedication. If you'll follow along when the time comes, um, I want to tell you that uh, I also have already given them, because usually their hands are so full with uh, baby paraphernalia and so forth, that I've already given them a letter to give to uh, Lawson uh, by his 12th birthday, if he hasn't made a profession of faith by then, so that he will have an opportunity to read about what we did here today. And also, a precious moment, a uh, little New Testament about that big, that's bl blue in color. I give that, we give that each year to each of our uh, families when we dedicate 
um, baby. So if you all will come, Kelsey and uh, Justin will come and stand uh, so that you can see the baby. She says he never cries, and I think he's gone to sleep, hadn't he? Mm -hmm. So he'll need to read his letter, won't he? Uh, <laughs> so if you will follow along uh, in the uh, Litany for Child Dedication. We are here today to present this child to the church and to dedicate him to God. Who brings this child for this holy purpose? We as parents bring our child to God. What can we affirm about this child? As this child grows in our congregation, how will we show him that he is a child of God? As this little one grows into a childhood, what will we tell him about his history? We will tell him about Abraham, the father of faith, about Sarah, the mother of Isaac, about Moses, who led our ancestors out of bondage, about Ruth's example of faithfulness, about the Jewish hope for a Messiah, about Mary and Joseph's openness in history, about Jesus Christ the Savior, What will we expect of this child? We look to the day when he will sit with us at the Lord's table, declare faith in Jesus Christ, confirm the heritage that we pass along to him, and come as an adult to full commitment to God's will and work. Do you, the parents of this child, assume your primary responsibility for keeping your child in touch with such expectations? And do you, the congregation, pledge to work toward creating a nurturing environment for this child? Yes, we do, for he belongs to us as well. Then may God be with us. Amen. Shall we pray? Eternal God, we come into your presence on this day that you have given to us, thankful for this child, Lawson Knox Holmes, and for his parents, Justin and Kelsey and for his brothers as well. We are grateful, Father, that we have this time to pause and dedicate him to you, recognizing, Father, that children indeed are a gift from you that come with a great deal of responsibility. And so we ask, Father, that you will bless this family, that you will encourage them as they walk day to day with not only Lawson, but the other boys in the family as well. Help us, Father, as a church to take seriously the words that we said a few moments ago. May we, Father, be a beacon of light in this child's life as he grows and as he is nurtured in the faith. Thank you for his extended family and for all of those, Father, who nurture and care for him in the family. Bless this child, Father. Bless these parents. We are grateful for the love shown to us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you're here with the family, will you stand? I know you've got a pew full right here, so I want everybody to stand and be seen. And his brothers are here. And so we are grateful that they have come this morning. And uh, when Lawson wakes up, we'll tell him what happened. So <laughs> thank you.
the joy of the family of God. I think it's particularly poignant as I look down and listen to this baby dedication that not only do I see this little one being dedicated, I remember when Kelsey and Justin both were babies and were dedicated in this church. And I can go even further back than that because I remember when Nancy was born, the grandmother was born and was dedicated in this very church, not in this building. It was when we were still in the Alpha House, where the Alpha House was, I believe. And, um, oh, in the, in the education wing, and we had our sanctuary over there. So truly, the, the influence that family has and the influence that um, the church family has in the growth and development is just so far-reaching. We just can't even begin to imagine what an influence just one little one little word or one little action or gesture will have. And this 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 whole pupil right here in choir loft up here is evidence of of that. Let's stand together as we sing about being the family of God, God's people. Turn to hymn number 391. We are called to be God's people. Let's stand as we sing together. remain standing for our offertory prayer. Good morning. Good morning. I remember keeping Kelsey and Justin as five-year-olds in nursery. <laughs> let us pray. Lord, let our congregation be a witness to you. 
immersed in scriptures, constant in prayer, joyful in worship, generous in giving. Accept these gifts we offer in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we pray? Gracious and everlasting God, 
Into your presence we come this morning with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts for the gift of togetherness. Recognizing, Father, that as we come to this sanctuary on this day, we do so, Father, to worship you and to give thanks to you for the many blessings that you give to us each day. We are thankful for the opportunity to be together. We're thankful, Father, that we have a story to hear and a story to share. You have shown us, Father, the way, the truth, and the life. And for this we give thanks. We're grateful, Father, for our mothers and others in our lives, Father, who made a difference and made us the people we are today. We thank you for their dedication and their love to us. We're thankful that we can set aside this day to remember and to honor our mothers. We're thankful, Father, that you have provided for us nurturing care. The grace that you have shown us through Jesus Christ and the love that we have in our families, Father are all good gifts from you. And yet, Father, we know that there are many families who are torn apart. Many people, Father, in this world are troubled. Many people feel alone. Help us, Father, to know and to respond to their needs. Help us, Father, to be lights in an otherwise dark world. We're grateful, Father, for our mothers who have gone before us to glory. For those, Father, who shared with us the story of faith. We're thankful for their lives and the lives that they lived in our presence. Help us, Father, on this day when we who do not have our mothers remember them. To do so with fondness. And to do so, Father, with a sense of comfort in knowing that in the Lord we will see them again. For those, Father, who are ill, we lift them before you and pray for healing. For those who are facing surgery even tomorrow, we give them to you, Father, and pray that you will guide the surgeon's hands and that healing will take place. We give thanks, Father, for those who are recuperating. We pray for those, Father, who are homebound and unable to be with us. We pray that they might feel the power of our prayers in their lives. We're grateful for our missionaries, many around the world this morning, Father, away from family and loved ones, making a sacrifice in the name of Jesus. We lift them before you and pray that you will bless them. As we open your word, Father, in a few minutes, speak to our hearts. Help us to listen and to hear. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother or someone calls you mother, will you stand please and be recognized this morning? You're standing and walking, Gary. If you, you may be seated. If your mother is present here today, will you stand? Thank you. I always like to do that. And we did that in the first service. You may be seated. I just think that's important to see that uh, families are together. And uh, I'm grateful that we have these days that we can remember our mothers. It's somewhat, and you heard in my prayer, bittersweet for me because uh, my mother passed 16 years ago in December. And my grandmother, who raised me, passed nine years ago in October. So uh, there's always this... Um, uh, feeling of melancholy and sadness to a certain degree. Uh, and so treasure your mother if you have her. Uh, we never know when life will separate us. And so I'm grateful that you come to be uh, with your mothers on this day. It has taken me years to even say what I just said to you publicly uh, without getting emotional about it. And so... Um, we all know and have mothers that have passed. I see some of your Facebook posts, and uh, we are uh, always wanting to remember and honor our, our mothers. And so we're grateful uh, that we have this day to do so. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 14, part of the Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, as we look at healthy families uh, and how to achieve them and recognize that uh, it doesn't happen by accident. We will apply some of the principles that Jesus sets forth in the um, Sermon on the Mount on these verses uh, as we look at our families. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Healthy families are no accident, and they are usually happy families. But happiness is not what I'm talking about this morning. Happiness should not be our goal. 
It is not something we find at the end of the rainbow. It is what happens to us along the way to building a meaningful and purposeful life. After all, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But families like people get sick sometimes. We are not always healthy. But when we get sick, we want to get well. Sometimes it is harder for sick families to get well than it is for sick bodies to heal. Because, first of all, we have trouble admitting that our families are sick. Sick families can get well. But healing doesn't happen automatically. It happens only when people are determined to change their lifestyle. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gives us ways in which we as individuals can be healthier in our families. In our text from the Sermon on the Mount, we learn some truths that can be applied to family life. A mother described her role in this way. If I live in a house of spotless beauty with everything in its place but have not love, I'm a housekeeper, not a homemaker. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorative achievements, but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on a newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk. Love picks up the child before it picks up the toys. Love is present through the trials. Love reprimands, reproves, and is responsive. Love crawls with the baby, walks with the toddler, runs with the child, then stands aside to let the youth walk into adulthood. Love is the key that opens salvation message to a child's heart. Before I became a mother, I took glory in my house of perfection. Now I glory in God's perfection of my child. As a mother, there is much I must teach my child, but the greatest of all is love. Jesus taught us that in order to be a healthy family, we must love. But we must love in a way that we can apply the principles that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at some of the points that are made in these verses of Scripture this morning as we think about our families. Healthy families, first, are the result of deliberate choices. Verses 13 and 14. The Father who is in heaven gives good gifts to all people who are at best yet evil, and He offers the kingdom to the poor in spirit, the meek, and the merciful. But within the gift of salvation is also demand. Matthew knows no salvation through human merit, but neither a salvation which releases us from God's demand. The way which leads to life is entered through a narrow gate and the way itself is hard, afflicted, anguished, or torturous. And we read this in what Jesus said himself. Narrow is the way. It is a way of decision. It is a way of commitment and obedience to God. In a wicked world, it is a lonely road traveled with few companions. Jesus is very clear in getting us to see that we must make the right choices in order to have the right relationship first with God and then with one another. 
Jesus summed up for us the commandments, didn't he? In this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We cannot love our neighbor and the closest person our neighbor is, is our spouse or our families. We cannot love them unless we first love God and recognize that God loves us. God's way is not easy to find, nor is it easy to walk in once we find it. There are easier ways to live than to live God's way. The traffic that moves in the direction of the world follows a crowded thoroughfare. People who justify their choices by saying everybody's doing it are walking on that well-traveled path. Jesus was giving us a warning to make sure that we understand that if we are to be what God calls us to be, we will make the choice to be on the narrow way. But God's word is clear. If we want to find life, we will often be on a lonely road. That's one reason churches are so important to Christian families. If we had to live our lives isolated from one another, we really would feel isolated in this world. If we sat at home all the time and allowed the news to wash over us, we would become very cynical, wouldn't we, about other people and somewhat paranoid. We must get together to recognize that there are people who are just like us. People who are searching for the way of God. People who have problems and needs and concerns and fears. And we all can live together as God would intend us to live if we would acknowledge our need for one another. We gather together in the church not because we're perfect, not because we're always what we ought to be, but because we understand the ground rules and we know when we're in foul territory. The world doesn't even know there's an out of bounds. They live bouncing off one wall to the other, never quite understanding why their lives keep getting shaken out of joint. It's easy to choose the wide path. The wide path leads to destruction. We know that our church has many healthy families, but we also know in any group of people that many people are hurting or have been hurt sometime in their lives. As a church, we are here to help one another, not only when we're well, but also when we're sick. But the church must be more than a hospital, more than a place that treats pain with quick fixes. In order to be well, we must make deliberate choices to that end. It isn't easy. Jesus says it's costly. Sometimes we have to go against the current to escape the easy flow the world offers us. We need to step out and feel the breeze that comes when we're all alone, striving to be a family used of God to be different and to be healthy. Jesus tells us that there are choices that must be made. And all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he confronts us with these choices. Second, healthy families are built on thoughtful behavior toward one another. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 is the golden rule, but it's also the golden rule for families. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. A free translation might be, so whatever you wish your husband to do for you, do for him. Whatever you wish your wife would do for you, do that for her. Whatever you wish your children would do for you, do that for them. And whatever you wish your parents would do for you, do that for them. 
In a negative form, this proverb was widely known among Jews and Gentiles. Jesus gave it a positive form and termed it the essence of the law and the prophets. The golden rule presupposes discipleship, submission to the rule of God. It is not a sufficient rule for everyone. In a pagan life, in an unbeliever's life, the rule would be experienced in terms of unbeliever's values. For unbelievers' wishes come from unbelievers' hearts. The intention of the golden rule presupposing discipleship is that one is to be as concerned for the other person's good as for his or her own. If we lived that way, we would understand what it means to be in healthy relationships. When we look at Jesus' ministry, we see that very clearly, don't we? We see how that Jesus was concerned with others. He cared for the needs of others. And a healthy family is not a 50-50 proposition. Every member has to give 100%. If you, are, if you want more attention from your husband, give more attention. If you want more love and affection from your wife, then ask yourself, how can I be easier to love and be affectionate with? And then give affection as you would like to receive it. If you're a child in your family, ask yourself, how would I like for my children to treat me when I'm a parent? Oh, what revenge we get on our children when they have children. What kind of children do I want to have? That will help you every time to know how to relate to your parents. The saddest thing about child-parent relationships is that the things we miss most in our parents are often the very things that are hardest for us to give our children. Parents, hold your children. Be proud of them and believe in them, even if your parents weren't able to do that for you. It's not how others have treated you, but how you wish you had been treated. We all have scars. Some are visible, but we don't have to inflict the same ones that were inflicted on us if we only stop and cry out to God, Oh God, forgive whoever hurt me and let me down, but don't let me do the same. Remind me that I am loved, that you love me. Remind me that I'm important, I belong to you. And now out of who I am before you, let me give myself to the man or woman or children who are special to me. You have given them to me. I will treasure them as you have treasured me. When we come to terms with the realization that God loves us as his children, it becomes much easier for us to love one another. And third, healthy families are honest with one another. When a husband and wife refuse to judge one another, they are on their way to being a healthy family. Now be careful with this honest because you certainly don't want to say when your wife asks you if this dress makes me look fat, you're going to get in trouble if you're that honest. Parents are to respect one another and their children. Criticism and judgmentalism are not to be known in a Christian family. Parents who put their children into competitive modes, judging one child over the other, create heartache that can never be fully measured. Long after the parents are gone, that kind of mishandling will continue to exact a price on the relationship that the children have with one another. These verses in Matthew 7 mean that we are not to set ourselves up as though we're perfect and the others in the family are somehow unworthy. 
We can't hide a plank in our eye. We will never, never be healthy until we admit, yes, that's a plank in my eye. Let's get it out so we can work on the speck in yours. Parents who understand this concept do better with their children. And children who understand this concept don't have to judge their parents as harshly as they might otherwise. The hypocrisy of condemning in others what we tolerate in ourselves is set forth in the analogy of the speck and the law. Jesus deliberately drew the ludicrous picture of a man with a log in his eye trying to remove a speck from another's eye. Much of our judging of others is that absurd. If one is sincere, he will first bring himself under judgment, removing the log from his own eye. Jesus is not saying that we are to ignore the speck in our brother's eye. It is our business to try to free a brother from the speck which impairs his vision. But one is in position for this ministry only after the log is out of his own eye. It's not a matter of speck or log. Both must be removed, but the log first. Only after one has known the shame or agony of coming under judgment and having the log removed from his own eye, will he understand the need and the feeling of his brother. Only then can he see clearly to take the speck from his brother's eye. And think of it in these terms. Jesus constantly talked about being able to see clearly, didn't he? He healed blind people. He constantly said, look at what is for you in the kingdom. He wanted people to see. And in order for us to be healthy families, we must be honest that there is no perfection in a family. And we must work together to help one another, to be patient with one another, to show grace. And fourth, in verse 2, we see that healthy families are more interested in giving than getting. We usually interpret this verse in terms of money, but it also has to do with loving and caring and being a family. We can't outgive God, nor can we outgive a spouse or children or parents who give with no strings attached. When we give our heart and start to love others unconditionally, our gift of love comes back to us. To receive love, we have to give it. It's a reciprocal process. We cannot have it both ways. Mercy for ourselves, but not for others. It is also true that one is judged in the very act of judging. In each judgment, one reveals his own standards and values. Furthermore, when we engage in merciless judgment, we deny ourselves God's mercy. God is not arbitrary in this, but when we deny mercy to others, we deny mercy to ourselves. Either we take our stand on the mercy of God or we do not. If we have not received God's grace in our lives, it's very difficult for us to show grace to others. We cannot have it both ways. Mercy for ourselves, but not for others. And then in verses 7 through 11, we see healthy families are enriched by prayer. By ask, seek, and knock is meant primarily an openness to God for His instruction, His guidance, or gifts. It does not follow that one may get what he wants simply by praying for it. Jesus prayed three times for the possible removal of the cup awaiting Him. He did not demand its removal and it was not removed. We may not receive what we request. 
But we may not find what we seek. And the door upon which we knock may not be the one open. But the assurance is that where there is asking, there will be receiving. Where there is seeking, there will be finding. And where there is knocking, God will open a door. God may not open the door that you expect Him to open, but God will open a door. God may not only be trusted to give, but to give good things to those who ask Him. If your family isn't healthy, we shouldn't abandon it any more than we would abandon a child who has gone to the hospital sick. Just because we're sick doesn't mean we're dead. Just because we're ill doesn't mean we can get well. We can't get well. Prayer changes us and makes us ready for what God is ready to do in our lives. If we're healthy, we shouldn't be proud but grateful. We should make our prayer one of thanksgiving and sensitivity to improve our decision making, our thoughtfulness, our honesty with one another, our willingness to give, and our fidelity. We should be thankful for what God is doing in our family to help us remain strong against the evil all around us that threatens our most precious possessions. We should never take for granted a healthy family. It takes work. It takes a narrow way. We shouldn't insist that everyone around us pray just as we pray. It is important to share our prayers together and every child ought to hear his or her father and mother pray. But we must not try to make everyone fit one particular spiritual mold or we will miss what God can do in each individual life. We pray out of our hearts as individuals to God. We pray in such a way that it can make a difference in our lives and possibly a difference in the lives of those around us. How many mothers have been on their knees praying for their children because of the heartache of the child? We must understand what Jesus is saying here. If we are to be healthy families, if we are to be healthy individuals in God's presence, we will make the right choice. And we will shun the wide way and take the narrow way. So many times it's much easier to take the wide path, isn't it? Yesterday, Janet and I, for Mother's Day, took a little convertible ride. And we made our way down uh, Route 30 and to, uh, to West Point. And I said, can you smell their money when we got there? You know what it smells like down there. Uh, but that's their money, you know. And then we got on 33 and headed back up 249. Nice little ride. And uh, when we got on 249, we made our way about a mile or two down the road and we were stopped and there were flashing lights all around. And we wondered what was going on. We didn't know whether it was an accident or what had happened. And we could see up on the hill uh, a big truck, a trailer truck, tractor trailer truck sitting on the road. And uh, we didn't know whether they'd hit somebody or what had happened, but uh, we were sitting there in the traffic on 249 and it was it was a nice day and we were in the shade and so it wasn't so bad but I grew impatient and I said to Janet I said do you think we ought to just turn around and go back the other way she said no just wait a minute about five minutes later we were escorted into the uh, other lane and taken by the truck. And there stood the man outside of the truck, all embarrassed and sheepish because his truck had broken down in the middle of the road. 
But we got by and kept on going. And I thought about that in terms of the sermon today and what that meant. You know, it's so easy for us when things aren't going exactly the way we think they ought to go and when we get stopped and confused and wonder what's happening for us to just turn back and go the other way, isn't it? That's the easy thing for us to do. And many of us do that. But once you wait it out and you move forward, you see that whatever the obstacle may have been, that you got through. And that's what Jesus would have for us to do. To recognize that this path, this journey in life with family and loved ones isn't always an easy path. There always can be difficulty and trials and troubles within families. But if we keep our focus on Christ, keep our focus on the right choices, and allow God to work His grace and mercy in our lives, then we can give that to others who may not even be ready to receive it. It was rally day. There was a program at the church and a little girl was to recite the scriptures she had memorized for the occasion. When she got in front of the crowd, the sight of hundreds of eyes peering at her caused her to forget her memory work. Every line that she had so carefully rehearsed faded from her mind and she stood there unable to utter a single word. In the front row, her mother was almost as frantic as the little girl. The mother gestured and moved her lips, trying to form the words for the girl, but it did no good. Finally, the mother in desperation whispered the opening phrase of the memorized scripture, I am the light of the world. Immediately the child's face lit up and a smile appeared on it as she said with supreme confidence, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) Of course, everybody smiled and some laughed out loud. Then they soberly reflected that the girl in some ways was not far from wrong. For the mother is and can be the light of the child's world. But I would argue that the mother cannot be the light of the child's world until the light of Christ shines in her life. Because Jesus tells us indeed that he is the light of the world. Healthy families are no accident. It takes everybody giving his or her best. Each member of the family has a part in determining how healthy our families will be. And I guess these verses are best summed up by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And in that we find grace and mercy that flows down from God. Shall we pray? Eternal God, we're thankful for these teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are thankful for the power of these words to show us the way. We know, Father, that we're not all that we should be, but we're thankful that you have made us something that we used to be. You have shown us, Father, your great love and your mercy. You have provided for us something that we could not do for ourselves. You have shown us the way. 
Help us, Father, to apply the principles of the Sermon on the Mount to our families so that we might be the kind of family that could exercise grace and mercy toward one another as we follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation to faith and fellowship is number 536. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. Your family can never be what it ought to be without Christ. So the invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ. Allow Christ into your family and He can make a difference. Will you stand as we sing?
I asked Dwight to do me a little favor to get two of the uh, geraniums and take them to the UNI class for someone. So I was afraid I couldn't get there uh, going to the back door. I'm grateful that you are here today celebrating Mother's Day, but more importantly, celebrating the Lord's Day. It's always a joy to be together in the house of the Lord. Don't forget, next Sunday, one service at 11 o'clock. If you come to 11 o'clock service, that doesn't affect you. You just won't be in here. Uh, weather permitting, we're going to meet in the pavilion and then have a uh, potluck lunch after. And uh, chicken is provided and uh, bread and drink. And if you'll bring the sides, as uh, Dwight has already said, uh, we will have a, a good time together. We're going to set up a few tables inside so that those who want to eat inside can. Uh, uh, we hope this will work. We know we are trusting the Lord, and I'm trusting that you'll come and be a part of this service. Uh, as Dwight said when we were talking about this a while back, some of the services that we remember most are those services that were unique and different. And so probably, depending on how this turns out, you'll say, with fondness or with uh, reservation, do you remember when we met in the pavilion? So uh, we'll just uh, have a good time uh, in the Lord, and uh, I trust that you'll come and be a part of that time uh, together. Thank you again for being here. Uh, let's bow for the benediction. Eternal God, as we depart on a day that you've given to us, we leave knowing that you are the light of the world, but we can be light in the darkness as your light is shown through us. We pray, Father, that as we leave, that we will impart grace to those we see, knowing that grace has been imparted to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless us as we leave, keeping us ever mindful of your grace, of your mercy, and of your love and the peace that comes to us in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.